Welcome in to episode 261 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Sources Say is brought to you, as always, by our good friends at Justice Dental. Visit one of their two Lexington locations. It's on Blazer Parkway and Wellington Way by scheduling an appointment online at justicedental.com or by calling 859-543-0700. You can even send a text message to one of their friendly team members at the same number to ask a question or make an appointment. Now is a great time to schedule your dental cleaning. Dr. Thompson, Dr. Justice, and their team strive to provide you with good oral health and a comfortable environment. The Justice Dental team looks forward to seeing you soon. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio. I don't believe we have Sean Smith on yet. He is currently driving home from uh, an undisclosed location in uh, a, a local area school. Um, we are still waiting on his official announcement as to where he will be coaching next season. I don't, it, don't know if he'll be ready to announce that yet tonight, but uh, he's driving home right now and it should be pulling in like as we're getting rolling. So uh, he's going to just magically appear on the screen as we get rolling. But oh, what a day. It was the uh, withdrawal deadline. We have a nice little fancy ticker, or we had it up on the screen somewhere, but uh, T-minus two hours and 10-ish minutes uh, until the official withdrawal deadline for the NBA draft. Uh, But fortunately for us, Kentucky has already had all three of its decisions uh, official at this point. Oscar Sheboy, obviously the first one to make his uh, intentions known that he was going to be keeping his name in the NBA draft, uh, a decision that within the last 48 hours or so kind of became a consensus really wasn't that big of a shock uh, leading up to the deadline. Then you've got uh, Antonio Reeves. That was a, a hairy one that we will talk about in depth about how we got to this point. We had talked about the specifics of uh, um, probably not going to hear the draft uh, feedback that he's going to be looking for, probably going to be wanting to return to school, but if he does return to school, what will he be looking for in a school? Uh, will he be able to get that from Kentucky? We will obviously be uh, talking about that and finding out, uh, getting to the bottom of of that here shortly. And obviously here just recently, what made us start the show uh, right now, Chris Livingston wraps things up, wraps up the day, announces he's going to keep his name in the NBA draft. Not a surprise. We talked about the significance of clutch and uh, wanting to keep his name in the draft and kind of use him as an example for, you know, just kind of the power that they have uh, to get a guy that is clearly not draftable. They can spin it however they want about how strong his workouts were and uh, how well he tested and all that stuff. But that's a guy that is not listed on any draft boards whatsoever. And um, they're going to figure out a way to get that guy drafted. He keeps his name in the draft, signs in a, uh, signs with an agent, foregoes the remainder of uh, his his time as a Kentucky Wildcat. So uh, here we are. Os- let's start with Oscar Shibway as we wait for Sean Smith to join in uh, on the action. Get those comments in. There's a lot of questions and comments already i think the numbers were absolutely ridiculous when we uh, got this thing rolling i think there were 150 people waiting for us live i'm sure just waiting on pins and needles uh trying to get to the bottom of just what the hell happened here and and how we we got to this but uh here's here's the deal i was told late last night um following his workout oscar's workout with the atlanta hawks um that he had begun telling teams and those there at those at the workouts that uh, he was 100% gone, that he had, had wrapped up his time in Kentucky, uh, didn't feel like he had much left to gain in college, but really more so uh, just ready to take that next step. And I think when push came to shove with Oscar Shibway, it, it got to the point where he looked 
at himself in the mirror, knew that he had been in, in college for as long as he had been, had accomplished everything he could as an individual, broke every single record. Yeah, they you know didn't have many postseason wins to show for it, but I think when he looked at himself in the mirror, he said, I'm going to be entering a position where I'm going to be playing alongside five freshmen. I'm going to have to teach them the ropes, and there's going to be obviously a huge learning curve. I'm going to have to go back to the drawing board with NIL, rework different deals, you know, try to make all of this worthwhile for myself. And I think at the end of the day, he just didn't want to do that anymore. I think he just decided that it was time for him to uh, take that next step. And uh, I think there was a, a, a huge back and forth battle. I mean, just absolute uh, extremes with his decision kind of started out making it clear to Kentucky that he was ready to go pro and say, you know, I, I'd really like to pursue this and, and go all in with this and see if I can uh, make this worth my while. Uh, and Kentucky was like, okay, cool. We're going to keep looking for, for different options. And that's how Hunter Dickinson came about. And uh, you know, they, there was kind of a mutual understanding with those two that Kentucky was going to do its thing while Oscar Sheboy was going to do his thing. I think Oscar Sheboy's people got a little, uh, nervous about some of that draft or the very initial uh, run of draft feedback. It came back and it was not very positive. Uh, and they kind of went back to the drawing board with Kentucky and I think uh, shot their shot a little bit too aggressively and uh, asked for an astronomical an amount. And now that he's gone and he's now going to the NBA, I can talk about it now. Uh, went in and asked for $8 million. Uh, we talked about the number of uh, how much Oscar Sheba made this past year. His agent made it clear, said uh, $4 million was the uh, asking price. And they came in and said, well, to for us to withdraw from the draft and, and return to Kentucky, you got to double that. And that obviously led Kentucky to say, we appreciate you for your services. You're a heck of a player, a heck of a talent. Uh, we wish you the very best. And it was a no-go. They said, uh, we appreciate everything, but that's just not going to happen. So that led to the 0.01% number that I said on this show at, at the time. And it was like, a, all right, we're moving on. We're going to go figure out a backup plan. You pursue the pro route, however you need to. And, and uh, you know, that, let, let's leave it at that. And I think they kind of did some massaging. I think both sides realized, okay, well, Hunter Dickinson, that wasn't falling uh, through the way they were hoping. And Oscar Sheboy, the feedback continued to not be, you know, it was okay, but not great. Uh, so I think they kind of met in the middle and were like, all right, well, let's kind of crack this door back open and see what we can do here. Um, and that's where those conversations started ramping back up. Uh, Sean, appreciate you joining us. We're talking about uh, Oscar Sheboy's uh, decision to uh, officially depart from the University of Kentucky. I just dropped that uh, he was initially, not him, but the people around him initially asked Kentucky for $8 million uh, when the process started. And, uh, Kentucky kind of laughed and said, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, let's go back to the drawing board. Have a nice day. Uh, but here we are. I, I think it kind of got to the point where he was just ready to move on, Sean. I, I think he went through this draft process and said, okay, I'm probably not going to be a first-round pick. There's a chance I don't even get drafted in the slightest. I'm probably going to get a two-way deal. It's not going to be a ton of money, but it's going to be worthwhile. Um I think he was just ready to move on. And it's unfortunate because he didn't, you know, all the his, history and success and accolades and records broken and nothing really to show for it in terms of postseason success, Sean, but uh, you know, an absolute legend in his own right that I, I, I don't blame him for the decision that he made. I think there was an avenue for him to return to Kentucky. 
Um, I will talk about kind of the Hunter Dickinson going all in on him and Tolu Smith and how that kind of changed some things. But when push came to shove, uh, Oscar was just ready to move on. Sorry. Sorry, Mike was muted. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it, it hit me today when when Oscar, like, you know, you had the Travis Branham report and stuff come out early and, and things. And then uh, the final decision that made it official. And it, it was it's sad because it's an end of an era with with Oscar Sheboy, like one of the the most beloved players to ever put on a Kentucky basketball jersey. And I mean, national player of the year two-time All-American, and like you said, he, he came back to Kentucky for another year about 13 months ago to win a national championship and go on a run, and, and the postseason success just wasn't there. But it when you get to the age that Oscar is and you get to the level of player that he is, there's not much more that he can do to make himself more suitable for the NBA or professional basketball. So he was the decision that I had absolutely no problem with just given where he is in his career, what he had done for this university, the the hats that he wore, the ambassador that he was for the program, like he did it right to me from the moment he stepped on campus to the moment he left. And, and I get it. Like it, it's frustrating because this decision went down all the way down to the wire. I think that's probably the word to describe today is frustrated because it's like what has happened for the last nine to 10 weeks. Kentucky's in the same spot they were. It's just uh, they're losing players, not adding players. But we, we know that they will have to add people. But Oscar's decision of the three, I think, was the least frustrating one for me, just given what he had done for the program and where he had where he'd been. And he could have left a year ago too. And, and it was it was just so fascinating because I, I don't remember a time that there was a decision that had such extremes. Where uh, you you missed the start of the show, Sean. That that there was a moment that there was a 0.1% chance that Oscar Sheboy was coming back that the one, once that initial ask was made, it was like, all right, man, this is clearly not going to get what you're looking for here. And then they kind of hit reset, went their separate ways, kind of came back in the middle. And that's where there was kind of a breakthrough moment between the two where uh, they said, okay, the feedback isn't what we necessarily want. What if we come back with no NIL guarantees? What if we come back uh, and there isn't role or playing time or touches or shot number or whatever guarantees that we were kind of hoping for to start this process. What if we say, all right, forget all that. We're just coming back because we want to play for the love of the game. And that's where the Aaron Bradshaw talk came from and why he was more okay with playing with Oscar instead of uh, Hunter Dickinson. And that was kind of in the heat of all those conversations, trying to be touchy and uh, navigate those difficult waters. So it kind of went from a 0.1% chance to actually – feeling pretty good about the chance of Oscar coming back because he was so open to that uh, possibility. Then Kentucky went all in with Hunter Dickinson. And I was told that, yes, he did give Kentucky his blessing to pursue that. And had Tolu Smith, Mississippi State star center, had he explored the portal route, uh, as was rumored, Kentucky was going to be interested. And, you know, that was something that had the domino had to fall in order to get to that point. But Oscar was made aware of that. And I think it kind of – it didn't upset him, but he noticed. When you're Oscar Sheboy and you pro, you gave this program so much over the course of two seasons, 
like you you want to kind of feel like okay if if I'm open to a, a return like roll out the blue carpet for me man I just I, I want to feel valued and if you're kind of brushing me off to the side to go all in on Hunter Dickinson and, and Tolu Smith and whatever new option was coming you know the next shiny object that was going to hit the portal I, I think it kind of hit him at that point where he was like okay. I could end up coming back to Kentucky if the feedback as the, you know, if these next workouts don't go well and the combine doesn't go well and all that. But I, I think that's kind of when, not that he lost the loyalty to Kentucky, but not, not willing to give them the benefit of the doubt and say, well, they push all their chips in on me. I can return the favor in, in that regard. So I think that was kind of the start of the unofficial breakup between the two where it was like, okay, you, you guys are clearly looking for what you're looking for. I'm going to look up, look for what I'm looking for. Maybe we meet at the, at the end of the day after this and the feedback isn't great. And I, I can, you know, we can circle back on this, but that's kind of where the two sides kind of started parting ways. Kentucky still had hope. I mean, within the last 48 hours the down, you know, coming down the wire when they missed on all their other top targets, they really thought there was a shot. Oscar was going to come back, but I was told that, uh, he, he had really pushed all his own eggs and uh, or chip put eggs in a basket. Chip pushed all the chips in, combining both those things. Uh, that he had really pushed all his chips in on on the NBA, and it is what it is. Yeah, I mean he he worked out, you know, for teams and was working out for teams today, and things, and, and looked happy doing it. looked looked like himself out there in some pictures that that we saw. But yeah, that this this was a situation that over the course of eight weeks that kind of Jack, just from being on this podcast and the episodes that we've recorded, like you can go back and look at the headlines that we've had for the last eight weeks and they've not changed very much. It's, it's been talking about Oscar. It's been talking about Chris. It's been talking about Reeves and, and these decisions that were finally made today. And like we, we had a lot of different conversations that actually kind of circle back to the same conversation every single time for the last two months. But with Oscar in that situation, even though we've been talking the same topic, like things change and the situation started out at, at one point, I think a lot of us just assumed Oscar would return to Kentucky because we know how much he loves this university, how much he loved playing at Kentucky, the money that he made at Kentucky. But when you go through and you, you have to, and, and look, Kentucky had every right to pursue other options and yeah. to look at what they had. There's, there's no clear cut way to do this because if you start recruiting other pieces, you run the risk of running people off or recruiting over them. And if you don't, then you get in a situation where you are tonight. O for three or O for two for sure. Two, and over two, like 0.5 out of three. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're in, you're in a situation where you're kind of left standing there. And, and that's the, that's the, that's the things that are, that's tough right now for coaches is you essentially have to – and look, this this staff has done an excellent job with the high school recruiting class. Like, you cannot take that away. They did exactly the thing – like, that was the area that we had complained about for a few years, but they were missing there. Well, they hit there. They hit home runs there. But now it, it, that's not enough to win you what you want to win. You've got to piece the rest of it together. And honestly, that's going to be the most difficult thing for college basketball staffs now, specifically at Kentucky. You recruit elite of the elite you leave older guys in a position where maybe they're questioning what their role would be on the roster and how much money is available here in NIL with you, these other guys that I'm competing with. Like it, it's a never, it's an ever changing climate in the collegiate game with NIL right now. 
and the things that college coaching staffs are having to deal with. And Kentucky went the distance with Oscar. He did essentially didn't come back, but you can't say anything negative about it because that man's ready to go on and pursue a career professionally. And he's at an age where he's probably what, if, if it works out for him, if he, if he plays nine or 10 years as a professional basketball player, that's a good run. Like he's not 19, 20 years old. He's, he's older than these guys that we're talking about coming into Kentucky uh, here in a few weeks. Yeah, so we wish him the best, an all-time legend, one of my all-time favorite cats. So I'm going to be personally rooting for him. It's a shame we don't get to see a third year out of him, but it's not something that you could ever demand of Oscar Sheepway. He 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 put his blood, sweat, and tears into this his Kentucky uniform, his time in Lexington. I, I wish him nothing but the best, and I, you know I know he's going to be an all-time fan favorite. I think when the dust settles on uh, on everything, and they kind of move on past the postseason losses and uh, just kind of how things ended with, with him. I, I think fans will look back on him and believe that he's deserving of hanging in the rafters, uh, you know, that number 34 jersey. I think there will become there will come a moment that fans say it's time for, for Oscar Sheboy's jersey to be hanging in the rafters because of every – he dominated the game in ways that we haven't seen in decades. And I think that should be honored and, and uh, just wishing him nothing but the best. I know we've been droning on a little bit about Oscar. Let's uh, move on to, uh, I guess, maybe do you want to start with the better news or the Chris Livingston news to get that out of the way and then kind of end end on a little bit more of a positive note? Let's, let's end on a positive. Uh, I know we got a lot of people in the comments who are wanting us to talk about Antonio Reeves, and I think that's probably the guy that they've tuned in the most to discuss. But let, let's, let's, do Livy, let's go to Livingston, and then we'll move forward with that. So, Chris, a decision that uh, nobody is shocked by, one that we have talked about at ad nauseum on this show, unfortunately, and the, the gripes that he had and uh, the push that his camp was making to, to make this happen for him. Uh, clutch, the pull that he had, having the most powerful people in basketball on his side vouching for him and uh, speaking on his behalf with NBA teams, I mean – if you're looking for a guy that was hell-bent on turning pro and being a one-and-done, you can't hire a better agency than Clutch to represent you on your behalf. And it sure as hell helps that you have Rich Paul, you have LeBron James as an Akron native. So it made way too much sense for this to unfold the way it did. Nobody is shocked by this decision. He was announced as a six-foot-six guard by Shams Karania of The Athletic. So that's a new one. Um, as he compared himself to Jimmy Butler and Jalen Brown, which I, I don't know if you watched the uh, Eastern Conference Finals that made me want to uh, um, think not so happy thoughts. I mean, maybe you're not too far off with the ball handling, but uh, beyond that, really, really frustrating uh, to, to see somebody who's clearly not a two being announced as a, as a two, but I digress. He is officially uh, off to the NBA show. Yeah, we're, uh, we're about to find out just how much power clutch has and, you know, pull and, and decisions and, and things like that. Cause uh, that's a guy that stepped foot on campus, like you said, with the intent of being a one and done. And there was nothing that was ever going to change that. Like, and we know that position and, and role and things like that were areas of honestly concern throughout the entire season. Jack, you brought up on the show multiple times about his camp, wanting him to play a sp- specific spot and John Calipari, for the most most part, played him where they wanted him to be played. Like they wanted him in that role. 
And he was a guy, Jack, that I think the frustrating thing about it is he did get better throughout the season. And he really hit a spurt there in late January through February and into the NCAA tournament where I think he became one of Kentucky's better dudes. And I thought had a – I still think a bright future if it works out for him. But I thought the – I mean, I thought the ceiling went even higher for him if he had come back for another year of college basketball at Kentucky. I, I would I would have projected him to be a breakout guy in the SEC and another uh, year of college basketball could have really put himself in a position to maybe have more stability entering the draft, a, a weaker draft a year from now. But – when you have your mind made up and it's been that way for a while and, and your camp is pushing that, there's not much you can do to change it if you're Kentucky. And Kentucky, that this is one that I think we knew a long time ago, Kentucky wasn't getting Chris back. And I guess the frustrating thing about it is it goes down to the deadline. There's a deadline for a reason. There's a countdown over here that Steven has for a reason. But you can't tell me that Chris – and this camp didn't know what he was going to do forever ago. It didn't need to happen on May 31st. I, I got a call in January that said um, Chris is not happy and we are like all hands on deck trying to figure this the hell out because things were not don't, trending in the right. It might have been earlier than that. Uh, the season was so long ago, but there was a point at the midseason mark that he – it was a pretty, like, damning call that was like, all right, this is something that we need to be focused on and take uh, take very seriously because this kid is a, is going to hit the portal. I do think that there was a chance that he was going to leave midseason uh, and kind of pull a Khalil Whitney and say, you know what, I, I'm not I'm not doing this. This is this is not the fit for me. There, Kentucky dealt with a lot of behind-the-scenes garbage on Chris's side and it led to a lot of unnecessary baggage that the team had to deal with uh, in the midst of all this and to Kentucky's credit they figured out a way to massage that a little bit found a a role for him to at least kind of patch things up temporarily where he was at least getting minutes and they could at least say well you're on the floor dude like at this point you got to do what you got to do but there was very clear discontent on, on Chris's side. And, and, and there's a lot of talk about Chris's camp and clutch and all this stuff. No, Chris, Chris himself was not happy. And he made, you know, made his uh, concerns very clear and Kentucky had to, to handle that. And, and that was, I don't want to say that that was one of the main reasons why this team had like chemistry issues and stuff like that. Cause I don't think that was a, a key part of it, but it was a lot of little individual things like that, that just, when you're trying to build a cohesive unit, Sean, like you don't need individual storylines to kind of, you know, the Savier Wheeler stuff and the case and transitioning to point guard and what position is Chris Livingston? Why is he not getting enough minutes? Antonio Reeves going from playing 14 minutes in, or earlier in the season and him needing to expand his role. And what do you do with Damian? You know, there were just so many individual storylines that people were just not messing with each other on this team the way that that you needed to from a from a chemistry and cohesiveness standpoint uh, and it just really kind of derailed things and it, I guess not derailed but never allowed this team to really take off and I do think Chris's situation was a big part of that and you know it, that is something that early on in Cal's time here at Kentucky which is forever ago like I mean we're we're talking we're moving what 14 years now 15 years getting there but those early teams of Cal, 
it seemed like you didn't have these situations as much as you do in the last four, five, six years at Kentucky. And I just think that that is just the change of the air of college basketball. Like those dudes early on, I mean, 2012, I mean, you had guys sacrificing. I mean, we hear about it all the time. Cal, that's still Cal's quotes that fourth and fifth most shots on the team go one and two in the draft and, and all these other things and positionless basketball. Like we, we went through that and it was all fun and games when it was working out and things. And I'm not saying that essentially people are selfish, but it does feel like that there's been a lot more crap to deal with in the last few years than there ever was at any point in what Cal was doing in Kentucky. And you know, that has to be frustrating because we saw, I was used to seeing Kentucky teams gel, come together go through the hard times, but always kind of come out on the other end better. And I just think that we've hit a, a stretch here where that's not necessarily happening at Kentucky. The, the team did get better and make a run at the end of the year, but it never had that aha moment like some of the Kentucky teams did in the past. And I think a lot of that is mindset coming into the program. What is your mindset coming in? What are your expectations coming in? And if you feel like you're not getting what you're supposed to get, it's easy in today's world to just dip and kind of do whatever. The portal's there. You can go to the portal. It, that's the frustrating thing about it, I think. And I'm not just putting that all on Chris. I'm just saying situations in general. It just feels like that there hasn't been that togetherness for some Kentucky teams down the stretch. You had a little bit of a brief moment there January, February, two years ago, where the Kellen Grady group, I thought, was really coming together. And I think injuries played more of a role in that team than anything else. But – there have been situations in recent years where we know that players have been frustrated with roles and, and things like that and, and what is going on, how they're being used. And I, I don't think that that was ever really a case in the first five, six, seven years at John Calipari, Kentucky. But the game is not the same. The climate is not the same. And I think a lot of that is maybe guys feel more entitled now than they ever did at some point. Yeah, that's what sucked about this past year's group. And I know there's a lot of Randy Childers, especially. My God, dude, there's like 400 messages about moving on and talking about next year's team and and uh, focusing on Antonio Reeves and the stuff that focusing on the control the controllables is is a, a big a talking point. We I, I assure you, we, there are three big decisions that happen today. We talk, we got to talk about all three of them. But uh, yeah, I, I, the, I don't think there's. I think it was blown out of proportion that this team had like guys that hated each other. Like there was this big turmoil or like, Oh, Savir and Oscar Shibway hated each other. And I'm like, none of that happened. Like this was just a team that didn't click. Like they did not have cohesive personalities and guys that like to go to the mall together and hang out for four or five hours at a time. Like, yeah, they hung out, but because you know, who else were they going to, they, they were, they had to, they were teammates, but there, there's just a difference And this team. Like you said, Sean, there, there was a clear difference with this team than what we saw in some of the, even some of the early Cal days, the De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk team, some of those guys, the, the, there was just a disconnect that I don't, there, it was never, and it's almost, it, it's not as dramatic and it doesn't make for a big storybook ending or uh, this tell all story at the end of the day. Like it was just a bunch of guys that weren't like super tight, like just not a lot of outgoing personalities. Ty Ty Washington was like the straw that stirred the drink the year before and the big energy guy and the guy that everybody wanted to hang around with. And uh, a lot of big personalities for better and worse, like those guys just weren't on this team and didn't have that clear leader. And, you know, it just made for, uh, on top of some of the serious mental health issues that this team dealt with, like there were some, some pretty 
severe issues that happened mid-year uh, leading up to that Missouri game, especially that uh, I get this team went through some serious stuff on top of just, you know, not vibing and not having the chemistry that led to just, you know, this team never taking off the way we had hoped for. And uh, I, I guess that might be kind of why I'm, it's going to be kind of refreshing to kind of move, move forward and hit, hit reset on the roster entirely. Nine players, leaving this roster or eight right now, potentially nine, depending on what Antonio Reeves does. One going to be an NBA draft pick, but five new uh, freshman faces, two returning sophomores. And depending on what happens with Antonio Reeves, I mean, this can be a lot of, it's going to be a brand new program moving forward this year. So for better, for worse, things could go south and it could be a nightmare, but it could also be a nice little change of pace where, uh, everybody inside the program can just kind of hit reset and move forward with a, a, a brand new group. Yeah, th- this is this is going to be a team that I mean, it's, it's going to be different. Like we're used to Kentucky teams starting over. But in today's era of college basketball and how old it is, given the COVID rule and, and getting the extra year for these players and things, this one is starting over, over, like entirely. Like Adu and Ugana – they don't have that key experience that, I mean, they've played and they have had some minutes, but Ugo essentially didn't play what well, he, he had a little bit of a run there, maybe against Georgia and, and, and some others there. I know at Alabama, but the last month and a half, six, seven weeks of the season, he didn't get off the bench. And then a would play when they needed him to, when they would get in serious foul trouble or uh, injuries down the stretch. But other than that, there's not only no Kentucky experience on the roster, there's no experience at all on the roster at this point. Like this is seven essentially new faces coming into the program that I am excited about. You need veteran pieces to go along with it though. And we, and there are guys in the portal and we know that they're going to add people and things, but, and I've had a lot of people ask me today, like, does Cal deserve any criticism? Of course. Like, the head coach deserves criticism. I'll say that from a coaching standpoint and and perspective and myself, Jack. Coaches deserve criticism. Essentially, it is the coach's priority and responsibility to, to run the ship, right? Captain goes down with the ship. If it sinks, you're going down with it. Where does Calipari go now? I, I know that we're putting off the good news till the end of the episode because we ha- it had to be all gloomy and, and, and doomy and things like that to be- to begin the episode. But we know that they'll have a roster. It's just where does Kentucky turn? Because they do have really talented players coming in that I think are going to be significant upgrades. But that's not enough to ride and go where you want to go. You've got to have something to go with it. Sean, we just get, we got to get the elephant out of the out of the room. There are a lot of people that are uh, addressing your your sweatshirt in the chat, and at this point, I mean, it is what it is, bro. You, you just you just gotta you got you gotta cut the cord and make rip the bandaid off and and make that clear. No, <laughs> just stay tuned to Twitter. You'll see an official announcement. You know where I'm going. Look at the look, go look at my Twitter likes. I, I mean, you're literally. I mean. Buddy, I'm not gonna lie. You've done. You have been terrible at hiding this secret. Like terrible. You you step it. I mean, that, that's on you, bro. I'm. 
just walk walk in straight sit down and just bang oh well is what it is um all right uh one final message from our friends uh andy ludicky and myperfectfranchise.net are you ready to leave the corporate rat race for the american dream looking for a side hustle while working your current job wanting to diversify build wealth and or leave a legacy andy can help Andy is a franchise consultant as well as franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help you if you have any questions about business ownership. You can learn more and contact Andy anytime at www.myperfectfranchise.net. All right, Sean, let's make this happen. Antonio Reeves, uh, he withdraws. He, he announces that he will not be putting his name in the NBA draft and moving on from the collegiate level. However, it ain't a done deal that he is returning to Kentucky. He's just returning to college. Um, I am very familiar with the situation and how this has all unfolded. I have addressed it on this show often it unfolded almost to a T uh, of how I kind of expected things to go and the back and forth of what Antonio and his family are looking for and uh, what Kentucky, you know, their concerns about Kentucky and all that and, and, and how we got to this point. I, I, I kind of thought that we would get a final, final decision that it, it would just kind of be solved up to this point. It didn't get to that point. Um but we're trending in that direction, Sean. He announces that he is pulling his name. I, I guess and it was never really an, announced. I don't think he put out a statement or anything. Yeah. Uh, but he will. The, the paperwork is in. He has officially withdrawn from the NBA draft. He will return to college. He will meet with Kentucky in the next com- couple of days, meeting with John Calipari. Um, and depending on how that conversation goes, will determine whether he will be back in Lexington. And if he will not be in Lexington, there will be a long, long list of suitors ready to pounce on him um, if that does unfortunately unfold. Uh, I'm hoping and my gut right now is that we don't get to that point and he does announce that he's returning to Kentucky. Uh, But it's unfortunate that we're even at this position where those concerns are valid and they haven't been addressed quite yet. Uh, but my thing is they are fixable. They have been fixable this whole time. It's just something that has to be addressed head on. And that's what this upcoming conversation with John Calipari uh, is is going to be about. Uh, NIL and Roll are uh, at, at the forefront of these conversations with John Calipari that are coming up, something that we have made very clear on this show, Sean. Is that concerning to you at all, though, that it's going to be June 1st and those two have not talked about that? Like, yeah, because here, here's my take on it. They've they've added no one to the roster. And honestly, they've not targeted guards. Like other than the dudes that are signed and coming in, there's not been they haven't. It's not like they're going out like Hunter Dickinson was actually a threat to what Oscar Sheboy could have done. True. And coming back. And I thought Oscar had a real decision to make there. And we know that he gave Kentucky their pretty much his blessing to say, look, if, if this makes you better and you fill my spot uh, while I'm actively pursuing professional options, then go ahead. Kentucky's not been out here offering dudes and, and going after portal pieces in the backcourt. So I guess my thing on roll is 
I don't know. Like it, I think that part kind of frustrates me a little bit because I feel like Kentucky has shown loyalty to, to Reeves throughout this entire process. And, but I get it. There's conversations that have to be had. You want to know X amount of dollars and what the possibility of me earning it is. Do I, do I come off the bench again this season? I think he starts if he comes back, but I don't, I see a clear cut role for Antonio Reeves on this team, a role that they don't have anyone that can do what he does and what he does well. Like, I think there's a clear defined role for what he's going to be. And I hope that Cal and the staff gets that message clear across the board to him and his, and his party. But, and then the money, whatever it is, we know that he was successful in NIL here this season, like another season at Kentucky, it's there. Like there, there's billboards, there, everything like, it's there. It's just, I think that I'm just like, okay, why are we having to have this conversation on the 1st of June? That's where my frustration lies with it. Because it's like, dang, we're, we ended the season 10 weeks ago. Like what is, I mean, I get it. And we know that people poach and pry and everything. And today, like there's tampering. We know that in college basketball. Like if somebody goes into the portal, this and this and this is waiting on you. Like, People don't go in the portal now unless they know what they're, they have lined up. And that's just the, the error that we're in. But I think I'm just frustrated that this is even having to be a conversation in June. Yeah, it, it's unfortunate. Um, but I do want to make it clear, Antonio and his side are not asking for anything astronomical. Like, this isn't a, whoa, buddy, what do you think you're doing, Oscar Sheway initial ask? like we talked about at the beginning of the show, like this isn't Antonio saying I'm demanding 35 minutes a game and 15 shots, take it or leave it. If not, I'm, you know, I, I demand a million dollars and 15 shots a game. And if I'm not getting that, then kick rocks. I'm going to Illinois or Memphis, two schools that have tampered and trying to poach him from Kentucky. But uh, it, regardless, they just want it to be worth their while to return for a, another season. So this is a kid that came from Illinois State, had zero brand, zero name recognition. He was a 20-point-per-game scorer at the mid-major level. Wanted to – like knew that there would be an adjustment to get to Kentucky. It was a pretty quick transition, and he got things rather quickly, but – there was still a process for him to actually put pen to paper on the, the floor and watch him explode the way he did close out the year. So basically all of the off season, no brand recognition, basically the first half of the year, basically no brand recognition. And then he really exploded late. And that's where he kind of got into the okay, pretty fair money range. Like he didn't do otherworldly numbers, but he didn't like, he, he wasn't broke. Like, there were guys on the team that made significantly less than him, but there were also guys that made more than him. He was kind of right in that middle ground, which is to be expected. The issue with Reeves is he's like the way they want this to unfold is okay. We're not making these otherworldly demands. We're not trying to ask for astronomical numbers, but understand that we don't want these 18 year old freshman kids to come in and take all the NIL money to be ball dominant point guards, Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, shoot. What type of role is Justin Edwards going to play? You're promising Aaron Bradshaw, all these shots, and he's going to be this certain type of role. It's just him kind of taking a step back and going, where do I fit into this? 
this is a an equation. Where do I fit into this where all the, the, the puzzle pieces are going to fit together and I'm going to be a, a significant one? Because with knowing how much money is out there for him through NIL at another school, there's another Illinois would offer him a starting role tomorrow where he's going to get as many shots as he wants. He's going to make solid money. Memphis would do the same. Like there, there are going to be a lot of schools, maybe not blue blood status, but still right there as a name brand program willing to offer substantial amounts. And, and they, they want to be loyal to Kentucky. They want this to be a, you know, you guys were really, really good to us. It's been a great process that we, we felt like we developed uh, under John Calipari. Like it is a good fit. But it's also a deal of, you know, Antonio has to do right by himself. He has to do right by his family. He has to do what's best for everybody on his side, first and foremost. He has one more shot at this. And, and if Kentucky is not willing to offer, and it's not even a, a, about a guarantee, it's just that reassurance that he's going to be taken care of when push comes to shove, that uh, if there's an opportunity with AT&T to get a March Madness commercial deal, like, hey, would you consider Antonio for that? Or is it going to be Rob Dillingham? Or is it going to be Justin Edwards? Or it, it, there's just something to be said about knowing that they're going to, it's going to be worth their while to spend their final season of college eligibility in Lexington. Because if not, there's somebody else out there that's going to poach him away and will put it, it will, will make all of those guarantees, not guarantees, but make all of those assurances known to him. And that's something that Kentucky has to counter right now. Yeah. And and that that does make sense, but when it comes to role, though, I, I do think that everyone sees what the role could be for Reeves at Kentucky, and I think being the only right now be the only veteran on the roster, but in the backcourt, we know how important veteran pieces are to your backcourt and guys that can make shots. And look, he, I know he had the game against K State where he didn't shoot the ball well at all hit the three late that, that didn't matter and didn't make an impact on the outcome. But we know what he did throughout the season and how he shot the ball. And he became Kentucky's shot maker. And I think that he could do that again this season and add a veteran piece to the backcourt that hopes to make a run the NCAA tournament. So on-court role, I think, is easy. Probably the easiest thing to define in that meeting is what his role will be, basketball-wise. Mm-hmm. It'll be the other areas that make the difference in whether or not he's in a Kentucky jersey when Kentucky goes to Toronto here in six or six weeks or so, but uh, you got to get him back. I think you've waited to a point now that he's probably priority. Number one at this point is getting that, that veteran guard back to your roster and then filling out the rest of the roster, probably with grad transfers and whoever's in the portal that's, that's winning late. And we know that names continue to go in. There's still an hour and roughly 28 minutes to go. Like what happens between now and midnight? I, I don't know, but uh, there's a lot of areas to be filled on this roster, and Kentucky's in a position now where, and that is probably the the good news that comes out of today, is that, and this is the part that frustrated me the most leading up to today, is that, God, we waited until May 31st to even have any clarity on what Kentucky has available as far as role and minutes and roster spots. Cal can go to bed tonight knowing, okay, now I know what I have. Kentucky fans even though they're upset and disappointed today, can finally go to bed thinking, okay, we probably have room to add three, possibly four, depending on who the fourth is. I would say at least three guys got to be added. You got to get the 10 that can practice and and play. If not, you're in for a long year with guys being banged up and exhausted. 
or having to play walk-ons in, in certain spots in practice. So uh, that that is the good news that came out of today is that we finally know where Kentucky stands. And I think we knew this for a while, though. I, but I, I always thought they'd get one of the three back, and they still can. If this goes well with Antonio, they can get him back. And I do think it is still important to get him back to this to this roster. So do whatever it takes to seal the deal in that meeting. That is very important to to win that meeting and get him back. Yeah, just just do right by him. I mean, he he did a lot of really damn good stuff for this program. Everybody wants to focus on the effing Kansas State game. Yes, we all know those numbers were terrible, and it was an awful, awful performance. But please, for the love of God, just scroll down a little bit more on the on on the game log and just see what he did the the previous five games and what he did for the last six of the the the, the season and uh, how many. They don't beat Providence there. without him. They don't beat Providence. They don't, they, don't even play, they don't even play Kansas State if if Antonio doesn't go off against Providence. He had that run where he hit the, the three straight shots to really spread that thing open. And like Antonio is a really damn good basketball player. And there is not another Antonio Reeves in the portal right now. There is not another guy that gives you that immediate scoring punch, especially with the continuity that he has. And again, the value of having a guy that's been there in that system and knows how Coach Cal works and knows what the expectations are and the structure alongside two guys like Rob Dillingham and DJ Wagner that are going to need a vet to kind of show them the ropes. Like, you cannot afford to lose Antonio Reeves, not to another school. Like, you can't. Even if, like, had he gone pro today, it had been like, well, I don't really, you know, every NBA scout that I talked to said it would be a really, really bad decision on his part, but – Dude's going to be 23 years old. Maybe he's just ready to go. You cannot let that guy go to another school. You just can't. Like, you have to figure that out. Just do right by the kid. They're not asking for a, a, an arm and a leg through this. They're not making these astronomical guarantees. Just just do right by the kid. Everything's going to be all right. I think he ends up back in Lexington. I think they massage this thing over, and everything will be good as gold at the, at the end of the day. Then you have eight guys. Then, as you said, Sean, I think you got to go get two more. You have and to. I'm feeling better about that. Reeves was always the guy. Like, he was always the one that I said, man, if you lose on Reeves, you're, you're turbo screwed. Like, you, you, yeah. that's where you start. And it's more so just from a PR and culture standpoint of, like, if you can't get Antonio Reeves back, man, like, what the hell are we even doing here? If you can make that happen, get him back, get eight, then you find your two core guys to to fill out the roster, and then maybe if you want to add another piece or two, uh, they reached out to the the kid from uh, Indiana, three star sharpshooter uh, Joey Hart, good kid, a guy that would understand his role. I, I would like that move. It'd be like this version, th- this year's version version of an Adu Thero or something, where he, you you come in, he's a you know six foot four sharpshooter. Not super uh, athletic, not going to beat you off the dribble. Like he's going to come in and have a super defined role over a long period of time. But like I'm cool with filling out the roster with those types of guys. Get two core, two core guys to fill this thing out, and then if you want to add another scholarship guy or two, uh, make that happen. And, and let's roll the balls out. Like let's do this thing. Like it, I, I, I appreciate Cal's confidence in these freshmen. If you can get Antonio Reeves to be that kind of bridge between the vets and the, the young guys and add a couple of role pieces. I'm cool. And, and no, if, if they get Reese back and it is one of the three, which I, I think once we got to a point, I think is what we actually expected to happen, right. Was just one of the three. 
I don't think you and I ever thought they'd get all three of them. And then once it got to mid-May, I was thinking, okay, maybe two, but more than likely one. So if they do get Reese back, I feel much better about today. And I feel much better about where they're headed. And now Kentucky can focus on the front court and what they add in the interior. And you know my concerns with the roster and the names are right there to the right. That That's what they have. Five freshmen and two sophomores that have very limited experience, but high upside. We know Adu was a long-term project that I still think his best years are down the road and not immediate right now. Ugo is a guy that with playing time, I think will have the opportunity to develop and kind of blend and mold into a potential breakout star at some point in his career. If they don't add something to the front court, Kentucky needs Ugo to be that guy now. And that is the thing that concerns me. That's where I think that they've got to add some insurance to the interior we know that the experiment with, with Aaron Bradshaw and stuff, it, it, Kentucky is going to try to play him at the four. I still think that he's going to have to play some five. I, I really do. And I'm hopeful that that will be something that Cal does do. But there are some dudes on that list right there that I think are going to be really good. I, I think Justin Edwards is actually going to be their guy. Like, I think that's going to be the guy that we're going to be talking a ton about six or seven months from now being their guy. Uh, DJ, I think, is an upgrade. I do worry about Rob. We've talked about this a ton. Rob's going to have Cal pulling his hair out. He's going to have Cal clapping. Reed Shepard arrived on campus today. By the way, perfect shirt choice. 1998 NCAA Final Four shirt. That was that was understanding the assignment and knowing his place and the history. I mean, it's, the, it's a Final Four shirt that I have, by the way, but his dad was the MVP of it. How cool is that? Like, pretty sweet. That's a guy that's me and you talked about this. That's a guy that's not going to fail at Kentucky. I think Reed's going to have a good career here. I think he's going to have an impactful career, and I'm confident that he can give them minutes as a freshman. But there's three holes on that list to the right of me. Kentucky's got to add three pieces, and I think majority of it's got to be interior. I think they have enough pieces in the backcourt if they get Reeves. The rest of it is they got to bulk up. The, uh, the interior, I think they need a body that can defend multiple positions, especially at the four, and can slide and guard a wing too. But, look, I, I like what they've got. Now it's just about putting it all together and what does the final piece look like. And that's where I've, I'm holding off on my, you know, conclusion of what the offseason has been. And I know it's been frustrating at this point because Kentucky, it, it almost is like, they just just been sitting on their hands. And I don't think that that's been happening. I think that they're they honestly have been weighing all their options and looking at things that it is frustrating. But I'm not going to come in and hammer Cal until I see what it looks like in the end. And that that's what I'm waiting on. But my gosh, they play in 6 weeks. Like it's crazy. From today. Yeah, 6 weeks from today they're playing basketball and they have seven players right now. Like those workouts are going to be interesting here in about a week. Shoot, they're on campus today, so I mean, I know. At least one of them before that. It, it is what it is. I like uh, Biff said such Calipari homers, and somebody else said, uh, um, "Ask Kisser Radio." Oh, David Heim says this. Ask Kisser Radio. Go listen to last week's show and uh, t- tell us that we're we're Ask Kissers because no, everybody in the comments are going, "Y'all are being too dramatic." I had Whatever. I had someone text me last week and say that was probably the most discouraged I'd ever seemed on here. 
and negative I'd ever been. It was valid. And, and I was like, you, I was like, yeah, I was like, you, I was like, you didn't see me at 3.30 a.m. in Indianapolis, Indiana, after they lost to St. Peter's. That would have been the the most negative you'd ever. Jack still will tell you that's the most negative I'd ever been in my entire life. That that was my, uh, we, I don't need shooters. I need, makers. and my handle of makers, Mark. That was, oh, that, that was a rough one. Kentucky today reaches out to Arthur Kaluma of uh, Creighton. 6'7", 230-pound, almost plug-and-play replacement for Chris Living. If that is a path that Kentucky pursues, where maybe he um, accepts the four role, and uh, that would be a huge, huge get for Kentucky. Um, Grant Nelson of uh, North Dakota State, some back and forth with him. I was told that Kentucky reached out. He kind of said, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, you know, kind of narrowing things down. I I don't think that's going to be a pairing, but I was told that if, if Kentucky missed on Oscar Sheway, they would really start to pursue this. So did Grant Nelson say no to Kentucky's like, we'll see how things go. Uh, Let's kind of put a pin in this. And then said, you know, he said, nah, I want somebody that's, you know, going all in with me. I, I don't know where things stand as of right now. I was told that if, if Oscar Sheboy did pull or keep his name in the draft, that's when Kentucky would really start ramping things up. I don't think it's a great fit. Um, I mean, if we're dealing with all the role stuff with uh, Aaron Bradshaw and him being the four and adding another kind of unicorn guy, that's going to be an initiator and try to be the skill guy, a a skilled big, like I don't understand why you would want to add another cook to that kitchen. Um, I would prefer to add a, okay, look, Two names that I heard today, Isaiah Miranda, NC State transfer, a guy Kentucky flirted with ever so slightly um, in high school. He wanted to be a Kentucky, some character concerns, super, super high upside, unbelievably skilled, but probably not a fit. But I was told today that if Kentucky made a push for him, he would absolutely come. So if that, you know, it's something to have in the back pocket, if you're looking for options and wanting an Oscar replacement, that's definitely one to keep an eye on. One that came up again today that I would be, and Grayson Harris just hit the nail on the head, uh, Santo Surreal at Overtime Elite. I am a huge fan of Santo as a long-term, you know, at least a multi-year, two-year development guy. I think he would be terrific to kind of be that placeholder of maybe give you some immediate production, like a, a poor man's Oscar Sheboy. He's going to come in and give you some high-energy rebounds, a couple of putback. Uh, dunks and a block shot or two. That's going to be what his role is. And if you're you're focused, if you're you're focused on building up Ugon Onyenso and Aaron Bradshaw, those are the guys that you go go all in with and let Samto kind of be the development guy. I would love that. I, me personally, I would love that uh, if that's what Kentucky pursues. And I was told today that that is something that they uh, have kind of picked at least internally have picked back up and, and think that could be a possibility. So. Um, I, I would go for Santo, not a huge fan of Isaiah Miranda. If you want to go for the high upside guy, I think he's a better option than Santo. But I think Santo is a very high floor guy that is going to produce in a way, like I said, kind of poor man's uh, Oscar Sheway. Those are two names that, that I'd keep an eye on. I know Grant Nelson was out there. I don't think that's going to be a fit, but I 
had heard that Kentucky would want to explore that deeper if uh, Oscar did keep his name in the draft. And obviously, uh, Arthur Kaluma, uh, Kentucky did reach out. He'd kind of be a Chris Livingston replacement. So we're at least starting to get some new names uh, out there of who Kentucky could pursue uh, in absence of the guys that that left and also some of the guys that decided, you know, Kobe Brown ended up keeping his name in the draft today. That was a kind of a pie-in-the-sky dream for Kentucky yeah. fans. Uh, some of the options that are no longer available, guys that ended up keeping their name in the draft, uh, there, there are some new names for Kentucky to keep an eye on. Yeah, yeah. They're, we, we know that they're, they're going to add names to this roster, and now it's about the next two days identifying who those targets will be. Like, I mean, this is – this is something if you're Kentucky, you don't want it to drag out too long because, like I said, you, you play in six weeks and workouts are starting here. And we know those summer practices are, are going to be important to to have all your guys in Lexington and, and have them ready to go to get them ready to play. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I, I think the one question that I'll ask you, though, are you wanting them to add a piece that can start on the interior or are you wanting to roll at this point with Ugo as your starting five? with that rim protection or are you wanting to see them to go different re- direction? Because if, if, if it's going to be Ugo starting at the five, I think the one area where last season that they missed on was getting him more minutes and opportunities to be ready to assume that role. Cause I do have concerns, but he is a guy that we know is only going to reach his ceiling. If he gets to play, he didn't come back to Kentucky to do what he did this past season. We know he's going to play, but Maybe a guy that can start in that role, but I guess the hope would be at some point that Ugo taps into some of that upside and potential, and by mid-year, January or February, becomes that guy and becomes Kentucky's five-man. I mean, it's possible, but I do have concerns if that's where Kentucky has to rely. And that goes hand-in-hand. I I did forget about uh, David Jones, Davey Jones at St. John's. Kentucky is – ramping that one up, which is it's fascinating because Kentucky passed on him twice out of high school. And then uh, his initial transfer recruitment from DePaul, uh, Kentucky kind of kicked the tires both times with him and, and was just seeing how things went. Again, another high potential guy, character concerns, but one that I personally, I, w- I would explore that one uh, deeper. And I know that he is very, very interested in Kentucky. Um, that's one that I would keep an eye on. And if, if I would go more versatile, focus more on versatility and skill and add another four and maybe, unfortunately, you know, kick. And I, I, I don't want to piss off Bradshaw and Clutch and his camp, but I, I almost think that the best way to utilize everybody's strengths on this team is to kind of go all skill, all offense, go all versatility, get a guy like Davy Jones in there uh, to play the four, kick Aaron Bradshaw to the five, Ugo at the five, have them stagger minutes, and then when Davy sits out, put Bradshaw at the four, and then whoever, you know, however you want to roll out those minutes. That's how I would personally do it. I think that the, the, the key to this team being successful this upcoming season is to say this is not a defensive team. Even if you get Antonio Reeves back, he is going to be a defensive liability. DJ Wagner, he he guards, but he's not an elite defender. He doesn't have the lateral quickness. He's not super shifty. D, uh, Rob Dillingham is six foot two, 158 pounds. He's not going to be a high level defender. Justin Edwards, he's a better kind of uh, 
jump the passing lanes, get out and transition. Like he's not a, an elite on ball defender, but he's kind of a high, uh, a big playmaker defender, if that makes sense. Kind of like Case and Wallace to an extent, especially later on in the year. There's not a lot of pure defensive talent on this roster. And if that's going to be the case, go all in with it. Say that we are going to be a team that they're, you know, Malik Monk, De'Aaron Fox, we're going to try to score 100 points a game and run everybody off the floor. That's going to be how this team wins. If you're going to do that, that's when I say go Davy Jones at the four, who can defend. That would be a high-level defending piece. Kick Aaron Bratch out of the five, play a five out, and really spread that crap out and – Go all in there. That'd be my. That'd be how I would use this team. The, the one thing that I'll counter is if you're not going to be elite defensively, then you better be elite defensively at the rim, and that's where I think Ugo could make an impact. If you're not going to be locking people up on the perimeter, then just funnel those dudes down into the paint and let him block some shots. If it's just 17, 18, 20 minutes a night, you're adding some rim protection that is at least making shots difficult inside three or four feet. How many does he get his hand on? How many does he affect? And when you got dudes that we know we're going to push the tempo and run in transition. Not only do your, your missed shots, the ones that he affects with his length can lead to some transition opportunities for Kentucky, for DJ, for Justin, and for these other guards on the, on the roster. I think that's why I was mentioning that. I hope Bradshaw, I hope Cal runs him at the five some, because I would like to see it by a committee position. If it's Ugo and Bradshaw, maybe splitting minutes there. I don't want to see those two playing together much. I really don't like. I I don't want to see that. I want to see them playing opposite, and they're they're different, and we know that. But I think that Ugo's impact, if this team isn't going to be elite defensively, get better defensively at protecting the rim, and I think that you can at least get away with it as long as you're scoring at a high clip offensively. Can I just say something real quick, Sean? Yeah, we have. 811 people watching right now at it was like, 11 o'clock yeah. at night an hour leading up to a, a draft deadline that is no longer relevant to Kentucky fans because the guys that had decisions to make, like if say Antonio Reeves hadn't made his announcement at five o'clock or whatever it ended up being, and we were waiting until the deadline and we were live right now leading up to midnight and like we could kind of do a live reaction as it was unfolding. Like I would get that. I'd get 800 people on wanting to watch, but the decisions have already been made. This is 11 o'clock on a Wednesday night. Fans just want to listen to us morons break this stuff down. I just, I thoroughly appreciate that. Like we, we've been kind of toying with the, the start times, trying to figure out when would be the best time to, to, see when people are on and I know interest is high in these decisions in general, but damn, man, this is really freaking cool to have almost a thousand people on at 11 o'clock at night that care about what we have to say about the, the uh, breaking down of this team. So that, that, that's really cool. And we uh, uh, very much appreciate all of the continued support. Let's just face it. Everybody is wanting to hear that. I'm going to Frederick Douglas. That's, that's why everybody's sitting on here in the comments. So no, uh, it's not no like it's yeah like it'll they'll put some they'll put something out so be be looking for that at some point but I thought I'll you were talk, doing KT Turner down at, at UT Arlington no I'll talk more about it in the coming days and stuff but I've been quiet about it but I mean look everybody knows like Ron Ron saw me at school the other day like I mean it can't I mean everybody knows I've been at Frederick Douglass events and I've been around. So yeah, that's where I'm at.
I, I, you know, if there was ever a way too late, you know, uh, like tell all uh, after dark, after hours sources say, you know what, th- this is the one to do it. At least it's not one of our most popular shows of the off season. You know, it, no. it is. yeah. Look at all the people supporting you in the chat. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. No, it's it. Look, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to be there. It's, it's a great program. It's a great staff. The, the people are unbelievable and uh, big move, you know, moving to this part of the state, you know, that that's something that I've been considering for a long time. And now I'm here and I've been here about a month and I'm really enjoying it. Great kids at that school and the support that comes from football program, to baseball program, to basketball program, to cheerleading, to volleyball, it doesn't matter. Like I'm happy. I'm happy where I'm at. Cameron Maxwell says, will Sean actually run out of bounds plays? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? There's going to be bag. a, there's going to be a cheering section at these, uh, at these games this season. And they are all going to be wearing sources say apparel. They're going to be going all in and cheering for you. And it's going to be very, very cool. Very, very cool. So yeah. we're, we're very proud of you. It's a, it's a, a great move. Uh, don't announce Hopefully. it until, uh, until the, the school announce it, everybody, yeah. in the, everybody on this video right now, just, just no, and and that's the thing. Just like, us, this is just us talking right now. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like people, I think people will put it together, and like we we kept it quiet. And hopefully nobody, hopefully nobody gets upset that I said it on here. But I literally forgot that I had this shirt on when I sat down. I've been wearing. I mean, the the one day I was in here like this, like trying to not let anybody see my shirt, but no, uh, no, it's not head coach. I'm an assistant coach. And uh, a great opportunity for my career to to take the next step and uh, figure out what I'm going to do in a few years. I've spent the last nine seasons in middle school. I loved every minute of it, and but I felt like it was time and a point in my career where I want to move on to uh, some bigger level basketball. And uh, you you don't get any bigger than where I'm going. And uh, definitely excited. I've already got a chance to to know our players and and support them and doing some good stuff over there. Like I said, I couldn't ask for a better staff to work with, like top to bottom, unreal. Yeah, we're we're, we're proud of you. That's cool stuff, man. And uh, and yes, I will still be doing sources. Say I'll still be in media, the whole nine yards. Like I'll I'll still be doing. There'll be some people doing some stuff for me, covering games and things like that when I can't. But this part of my job will stay the same. Love to hear that. Um, we're, we're wrapping up here. If you have any last second questions, uh, let us know in the chat. It's the least we can do it at 11 o'clock at night. If you're still following along with us, still 800 people on it in the chat. So if you uh, have anything left over, you want to have answered by all means, give us a, uh, give us a shout. Um, Alex Pryor. So what was the plan going into the off season or was there one? Uh, it's tricky. I, I don't think that there was a backup plan for Antonio Reeves. I do think Kentucky thought the entire time that they were going to get him back. And I think the transfer talk has kind of made some, some things uncomfortable. And, you know, I think he, there was a time that he was ready to, uh, you know, talking to people close to him to start the process. It was about, you know, he's going to be 23 years old in November when the basketball season starts he knows that he had a very successful end of the regular season and going, you know, to start postseason play. 
and yes, he it was a very bad Kansas State game, but I think he kind of realized that you know I, I might want to strike while the iron's hot, hot because I really did have a lot of high highs, kind of peaking at the right moment at the end of the season. Those types of guys, if you don't really have a huge NBA upside, those guys are typically the ones, especially before NIL, those were the guys that stuck in the draft. So I do think that there was a time that he was serious about it, at least pursuing like, you know, what his overseas uh, path was going to be talking to you know people close to him. They said that they had no interest in being in the G league and riding from small town to small town on a bus. Like that was not something that they were interested in pursuing, but I think there was something to be said about giving the NBA a shot. And if that didn't work, then starting the overseas route. So I think that was something that Kentucky was, monitoring but i think uh uh a return to kentucky has always been what kentucky has hoped for and what they have kind of relied on and needed so i think that this they're in a good spot both sides are in a good spot i think that they're in both you know leverage mode right now i think that they're both in a good spot i I do think that this this should work out in kentucky's favor if they don't mess it up like this is the ball is in kentucky's court to handle this the proper way and if they don't then he will transfer somewhere else and that will be a, a nightmare scenario, but we, we don't need to uh, let, let, let's assume hope for the best. And if we have to address the worst down the road, then, then we will uh, at that point. Um, let's see. Uh, Carter Knox. Are we getting him? Kentucky's in a great spot with Carter Knox. There was kind of this like moment with Carter that he had hit plateaued pretty hard and he hadn't kind of taken that next jump that the staff was hoping for. And he has to open EYBL play. He's been absolutely terrific. Uh, so I, I think that he has now kind of firmly established himself in that group. And I think Kentucky, Kevin Knox, Carter Knox, like putting two and two together, it makes way too much sense for him to end up in Lexington. There's a lot of optimism that that will end up happening. Uh, he just needed, needed to establish himself as a guy in that class. And I think he has done that. And I do think that that will definitely help for um, uh, Kentucky's chances. Nick McCardell, uh, my guy, what is the latest on Billy Richmond? Kentucky is in a really, really good spot for him. He His recruitment is exploding in a way that I don't think he was envisioning because he's had a really, really, really good spring and uh, summer. So I think that he might hit pause just ever so slightly on a decision. He told me in January that he was going to announce this spring before Peach Jam. Then he told me a couple weeks back that he was going to do it right after Peach Jam. And now he's kind of kicked it back just a little bit more to right before the his senior season starts. I still think Kentucky's going to end up getting him. There's just way too many connections that – uh, lead him to John Calipari in, in the Kentucky program. But, you know, he, he's a teenage kid. He wants to be recruited and see what offers come through, come down the pike. So I, I think Kentucky's still in a very good spot. Um, Toppin stock, dude, I haven't heard anything about Jacob Toppin. I know he signed with CAA. Uh, he was initially invited to the J League Elite camp and then ended up not participating, wasn't on the final roster. So I don't know how that unfolded, was not a – combine invite so i think a team would be dumb not to take him in the second round because he's a 610 absolute freak of nature athlete that is skilled and does a lot of things that nobody else can do and those are the types of guys you take flyers on in the second round sean so i think he'll get drafted but i do think it's pretty fascinating um that 
we haven't heard literally anything about them about him. It is very fascinating. Like it, like I said, it's it feels like this off season has been significantly longer. It's because they've not added anyone, and and those decisions from Top and other guys were literally over two months ago. Isn't that and crazy? It's it's crazy. And like here's the deadline. I mean, kudos to Steven for this great graphic tonight, by the way. Like with the little ticker countdown over there on the side and yep, everything. But, yeah, I mean it's and look, hey. You and I used to sit at KS Bar and record post game episodes, just me and you, with our equipment at one thirty in the morning during that season God, where sorry. they went nine and sixteen. And we we had at one point eight hundred and forty people in here that I, I think it got to, and it's still at six hundred and seventy people. And we're talking about like everything at this point. This is unreal. Like, tell me another podcast that does this that gets this amount of support and interest on it in basketball. You people are unreal. Like, unbelievable. And the name's popping up in chat. By the way, one of my former players chimed in here and asked me if I would go with him to grab a rebound or Oscar Shibway. I love you, Hunter, but Oscar's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um. John Hand, are you going to EYBL, Jack? Yes, I will be at Peach Jam. I would not miss it. Um, F-E-E, F-E-F, uh, Jack, don't ever bite your lip. You're ugly. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Zach Eady is back. That's a big one, Sean. Um, yeah. Ryan Fields, what do you think prevented the chemistry from this team to click, immature freshman or Oscar trying to be a leader? I don't think necessarily either. Uh, I don't. I, I think it's probably closer to the latter um because i don't think anybody really stepped up as that leader i think there were times like cj frederick tried stepping up in that leadership role but cj was a guy that couldn't you know couldn't stay healthy and are you really going to is he going to be the voice of reason is he going to be the guy that everybody leans on in the locker room when you know he's missing games and in and out of the lineup and you know it, there was just never that guy that kind of stepped up as the you know, Case and Wallace, I think they would have liked him to be the vocal leader, but he was always a lead by example, not by my my words. So he, he was a guy that, you know, I'm going to be the first one in, last one out. I'm going to die for loose balls. You know, he wanted to, to to show that he, you know, that he cared and his passion for the game in, in on-court ways, but in, in, in how he kind of operated – uh, professionally, but he is not a guy that was ever going to stand up in a locker room and be the rah rah, put your foot down. What the hell's going on? Like that's just not his. There was not that guy on on the the roster, and I think that's where things really went south. Uh, unfortunately, um, oh, uh, David would ask um, about Joey um, Joey Hart, the Indiana kid. Uh, reaching UK, reaching out to him. I kind of glossed over that earlier. Three star kid, six six of four sharpshooter in the twenty twenty three class. What would you think of that potential addition, Sean? Just to you know, even if you're not a super familiar with his game, just the idea of adding a kind of definitely long term piece. Yeah, is as long as it's a long term piece that works out and stays in your program. I'm for it. Like that's how we viewed a Duthiero or a Duthiero. Like we we've viewed him as a long-term piece, right? And a developmental piece. And Jacob Toppin was the same way when he transferred to Kentucky. A guy that you knew, hey, three years from now, he's still going to be here. And look how Jacob turned out. 
I thought Jacob was a, a very effective player by the end of his run. So if if that's and if that let's say that they get Reeves back and then they add two more and he could be eleven, I'm a huge fan of it. Like if you if you add a guy like that to your roster every other year or every season and he commits to staying within your program long term, like Lance ended up being a three year guy in this program. You need those guys that end up playing roles. And I think that that would make me uh, be more open to the idea of it. I'm not open to the idea of people coming here, knowing they're a long-term piece and then deciding to leave after one year. That would be where I would be like, okay, let's, let's not use the program as a stepping stone to get other opportunities. I, I don't, that's where I'm not a fan of. If you commit to it long-term, I'm fine with it because I did watch his tape. He's a skilled guy. I mean, he could shoot it. And, and and things like I, I'm all for it if if that's a, a long term piece that would be welcome if both sides can agree on it and uh, have long term potential and an agreement that it's not a now decision but it's a come here and get better for the long haul. Uh, Nick McCardell has asked about Austin Hero in every single chat that we've ever done. I know you're a huge fan. I, I don't. I haven't heard anything that would indicate that that's a possibility. I know you're a huge fan, and I'm per- I am rooting for this possibility so hard because of how uh, how passionate you are about Austin Hero and the Hero family. I, that'd be really really cool. I haven't heard anything to indicate that's even a possibility. I know he's dealt with some injury issues, and that's kind of hit pause on his recruitment. And I, I know it's been a, a tough go at it. I would personally love the idea, especially as a walk on. That'd be super cool, but. Uh, if, if I hear anything to indicate that, I promise you, I will let you know first, especially Nate McCardell. You are the best, and I I, I I know that's one that you've been rooting for for a long time. So I've seen all of your messages, and I don't want to uh, just completely ignore them. But just uh, I haven't heard anything to indicate anything uh, of the contrary. Um, any other word about the assistant coaching job? As we talked about on this show, I think – it's been all in on this roster and figuring that part out. Uh, they just announced John Welch as an official addition uh, last week. That's a huge addition. Uh, something that we're very confident in. There's five total spots. They have four of them filled. One Bruiser Flint is going to be one of them. He's either going to be alongside uh, John Welch as the off court guy or f- replacing KT Turner, which I think would be a bad move. Um, but I think that's going to be something you at least have one more spot to fill no matter what. It could either be as a special assistant to the head coach or as a full-time assistant that's going to be on the recruiting trail. I think that needs to be next up. That that needs to be top priority for John Calipari at this point forward. Get Antonio Reeves. Get the roster finalized in the next couple of weeks and then spend basically the next week plus try to get your, your next guy or two, at least Antonio Reeves, and then spend the, the second half of June and just just get your guy. Just just go get your dude and and go get a player. I think John Welch is a good player relationship guy, um, but I'd also like to see him go all in with scouting. And, you know, I, I think, yeah. like we talked about on the last show, I, I want one guy dedicated to, to scouting and one guy dedicated to player relationships and those sorts of things. So – one of those two options, vice vice versa. I don't care how Cal wants to do it. I would really, really prefer to. And, and the way that the – and like I was talking about earlier, how you have to have your high school recruiters. you got to get the, the the incoming freshmen. It's, it's important now with so many people that you can have on your staff to not let one guy just take it all. 
like you you got to you got to have multiple people all all boots on the ground here like just all hands on deck figuring this thing out right like essentially recruiting your own players to return recruiting the high school game like right now we know that Kentucky's been out watching future recruits but at the same time they've been busy trying to keep their own guys happy we know that they had to go through a period where they had to recruit Bradshaw to, to stay on board. We know that that was a situation. Like, look at everything that Kentucky staff has had to deal with. That's every college basketball staff around the country right now. You there's To me, you can never have enough guys doing jobs within your program. Mm-hmm. And you delegate some of that those jobs and those titles to other people to help you out because there is no way one or two people can do all this. And that's where everybody's got to come together and, and work on this thing. And I think that, that Cal's got to do the bulk of it, but he also has to have other guys be in control of other things and, and take some of these duties off his hands and, and things and these coaches to where they can do what they're supposed to do and do it best. Because, look, they get paid a ton of, um, and a lot of money, millions of dollars, thousands of dollars. But being an assistant coach in college basketball in 2023 is not the same as it was in 2017 being a head coach in college basketball in 2023 isn't the same as what it was in 2020. Like it it is changing and you better have enough guys in your corner that can help you do it. And I think John is a a step in the right direction to having a guy that can do a lot of different things, but his mind and his X's and O's and his expertise in player development is where it's going to be felt the greatest. I think. I just like diamond D O D I O M X N D has asked like 45 times if I'm Trilly Donovan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who Trilly Donovan is, but he is in, incredible at <laughs> in what he does. Part of me think, like, part of me thinks that it's uh, Andrew uh, Andrew Slater. Like, part of me it it's got to be somebody, right? Because it's somebody <laughs> clearly connected. They know what they're talking about. And it's almost like a burner for a burner. Like they're they're so connected, but it's almost like they put stuff out there that they're not, that the main burner isn't allowed to put out. Like it it almost, it almost feels like it's a burner for a burner. So my money is personally on, on Andrew Slater, but we'll see. I, I, that, that I, I, they're very good at what they do. I, I pay attention to Trilly if you want to know what's going on in, in college basketball, because he's, he's right. Trilly's the real the, the real deal. Or whoever Trilly is, whoever it is, it is it is not me. Um, <laughs> I was like, imagine Brad Stevens is coach and Jack is still Trilly Donovan. That'd be a wild world. <laughs> uh, it sure would. Um, all right, I think that probably gets us out of here. Uh, amazing show. I, I really appreciate all everybody tuning in with us and and staying up late with us. It's the latest we've done. Sources of say after dark is a fun episode. So I appreciate all of. Uh, our uh, listeners, as always, all of our viewers, it was a great, great time. I wish we had better news to break on this show. Uh, Oscar coming back or Chris coming back or whatever, but unfortunately, it's just not the, the reality. Fingers crossed we get Antonio Reeves back. That would uh, definitely be a nice step in the right direction for this program as it kind of gets into the meat of the uh, roster construction uh, for the upcoming 2023-2024 season, six weeks away from uh, the start of uh, exhibition games up in Toronto for the Global Jam. Ready or not, here those games come. It's going to be quite freaking competitive. So uh, we'll see this how is gonna, This is going to be one we'll remember forever in the archives of sources say. Like probably got close to 
maybe the the top viewers we've ever had on here on a live show. And it I'm excited started to see what, up what, how, yeah. what we finished with the total number of live guys because we held pretty firm at 800 plus throughout the show. So uh, awesome stuff. Really appreciate it, Sean. Uh, let's get the heck out of here. And you're definitely not Frederick Douglass uh, sweatshirt. Where can you find your work? <laughs> you can find my work at GoBigBlueCountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. And yeah, I'll share more about what I'll be doing and stuff in the, in the coming weeks. I mean, we get started this week. We actually play Saturday. So that's been my thing. Like, bro, these games are coming up in the next couple of days. Like something's got to give it at some point. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Oh, well, it is what it is. You can find my work on Twitter at Jack Pilgrim case KSR. Reach out to me via email. J Pilgrim at Kentucky sports radio.com. That will be back next time for the jam packed sources, a podcast. We will see you then.